to the Mind Your Hormones podcast. My name's Corinne, and I'm a board-certified holistic nutritionist who went from no period from mismanaged PCOS to a regular one. Now, I'm obsessed with helping you get hormonally balanced and emotionally aligned. This podcast is all about education, empowerment, real talk, and simple strategies you could start today to find inner peace and overall well-being. I am so excited to be here with you to chat about all things health, hormones, and mindset. Are you ready? Let's get it. Oh my gosh, I am so excited to have this amazing guest on the show today. You are going to be obsessed with this conversation. If you were not familiar with this, you need to be, but her name is Vani Hari and she is the founder of The Food Babe. That's like what she was known for for a really long time. She's a food babe on Instagram. If you have never heard about it, I will obviously give you a rundown, but this conversation is so needed. We really dive into all about the food industry and the chemicals that are in our foods that don't need to be there, that shouldn't be there, like artificial dyes and sweeteners and how that affects our brains, our children's brains. Like we talk a lot about how we can, you know, create healthy eating habits in our children from a young age, literally from birth. Um, and how also, if you are someone maybe who already has kids and you're just starting to get more, you know, health conscious about all of this, how you could start shifting things slowly, because maybe you're like, my child is such a picky eater right now, or we have been eating X, Y, and Z, but I'm learning about it. And now I want to change things. Like she gives us tips around that. And she has a new book that's coming out, um, called food babe family. That is all about, literally how to like all recipes and all the things that are in traditional snacks um, and all these brands and stuff that are common for toddlers and kids and how you can really easily, not easily because it does take effort, but like recipes that you can make for your kids. I mean, it's just literally so amazing. We talk about it obviously on the episode, but if you're not familiar with who she is, let me just tell you who she is. If you're like maybe living under a rock and you're not familiar with the food babe, again, her name is Vani Hari. Um, She's a food activist and she's also a New York Times bestselling author. She is the co-founder of the organic food brand Truvani, which if you've listened to this for a while, I've definitely talked about the Truvani protein powder. It's one that I love. I also use their deodorant. So they have a lot of other awesome um, products over there. They have bars, they have protein powders, they have deodorant. Like It's amazing. Um, She was named one of the most influential people on the internet by Time Magazine. And the whole reason why she started the Food Babe was to spread information about what's really happening in the American food supply in the food industry because it's a mystery and they don't actually tell you what's going on. Um, and she really teaches you how to make you know, decisions when you're purchasing food at the grocery store to make ones that are best for you and your health and how to just live an organic lifestyle and, and how to like travel healthfully around the world and just make the best decisions that you can. Um, we really talk a lot about too, like you know, uh, baby led weaning, starting that off and what to do to navigate restaurants and birthday parties and stuff like that. So I know you're going to love it. The beginning of this episode is more about like the food industry and like how she has helped change major corporations like Subway and Chick-fil-A and all of that. And then towards the second half of the episode, we get more into some tips around, um, you know, starting off food with babies and toddlers and, you know, practical things around supporting your children, making the best decisions that they can make once they get older. You are going to love this. I cannot wait for you to dive in. So without further ado, let's get into the show today. Vani, I'm so excited to have you on the Mind Your Hormones podcast. I've been such a fan of yours for so long. I'm just so inspired by all the work that you do. It's like just so incredible. And I know my community is going to be obsessed with everything that you have to offer. So before we dive into the nitty gritty, if you could just introduce yourself, um, I would just love for everyone to get to know you. Yeah, absolutely. So um, my name is Bonnie Hari. I'm a food activist, mom of two. Um, I've written four books now. The latest book is coming out in very soon in That's fall. So and it's called Food Babe Family. I am uh, the founder also of True Bonnie, 
a supplement company that makes amazing protein powders and bars and other uh, supplements that have the least amount of unnecessary ingredients and it's possible and they taste the best. Um, I always promote your protein powder. (laughs) Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. Um, And uh, yeah, that's me. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. So how did you get into all of this? Because like you've been a food activist for a while now, like you have had giant food companies like Kraft and Subway, like change their food ingredients. Like you really made such a big mark on, you know, really focusing on ingredients and things and how we can just get the shit out of it that we don't need and really having people be held accountable. So how did you get into this? I know a lot of people in the health space get into it from their own personal struggles. So I would love to hear your backstory on what made you get into this field. Sure. Yeah. No, I had the same thing. So I think when we struggle with our health, we really, once we find our good health, we can't shut up about it. And that's really what (laughs) happened to me is, you know, I grew up with eczema, asthma, allergies. I was always on prescription drugs. My parents were immigrant Indian parents. So they wanted us to fit in like with everybody else. And my mom didn't really know how to cook Indian food. I mean, I'm sorry, American food. And she only knew how to cook Indian food. And so I wanted to eat what everybody else was eating. And so she relied heavily on all the processed products that she could find at the grocery store to help her in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, my parents really loved the fact that fast food was so cheap and Mm -hmm. readily available and it was so easy and we would eat it. So I grew up having fast food multiple times a week. I would say sometimes maybe every day, uh, just really inundated with like, like, I don't even remember eating like one vegetable when I was little Mm. and, uh, and also just having, um, access to a lot of candy too. Like I ate every single candy under the sun. My dad, his thing was to bring me back gummy bears from his office when he would work late at night. Um, he was a professor at university. So he had classes at night and he would come back late and he would always give me gummy bears. (laughs) And it was just, I mean, I just grew up on candy and fast food. And when I was in my early 20s, I hit rock bottom. I was, you know, working on this very prestigious consulting firm, working on the road, traveling. And again, I found myself in this situation where I just wanted to fit in and eat what everybody else was eating. And so, that you know, the office would cater in breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So for breakfast, it would be like bagels and um, blueberry muffins. And then for lunch, it would be like this big spread of barbecue. And then at dinner time, it would be like, you know, Italian. So it'd be like mm-hmm. pasta and chicken Parmesan and tiramisu for dessert. So it was just like this very heavy, salty, processed food that like we were getting from restaurants made in who knows what kind of oils and just all kinds of different additives that could be in that food and just processed foods, not a lot of plants really, you know, not a lot of greens. And so I gained a lot of weight on that first job. And then I ended up in the hospital with appendicitis. Wow! And it was at that moment that I made a decision that I didn't want to feel this way anymore. And that's when I started to research health and nutrition and I used kind of like my knowledge that I learned in high school where I was a number one ranked debater in my state and I got recruited to college to be in debate. And back then when I was doing debate, we really learned how to research. Like we went to the library and we'd look at the microfiche and we'd check out these big law journals and all these newspapers and, you know, we'd gather all of our evidence. Well, I did the same thing with my health. So I went to the library and I checked out big books on nutrition. And one of the first ones was Gabriel Cousin's Conscious Eating. Mm. And it had this concept in there that just, it, it just turned a light bulb on in my head. And it was that the majority of food that I was eating was dead, was processed mm. and dead. Wow. And, the, and I was like, well, that's exactly how I feel. Yeah, right? like. <laughs> That's exactly how I felt for most of my life is dead zombie. Like, like I don't, yeah, I have probably good genes and I made it through, you know, uh, college and and high school and and school. And I, and I was like, you know, driven because my parents like drove me to like, you know, do well in school. But, Mm -hmm. but like, wow, what if I didn't feel like a zombie? What if I actually didn't feel dead? What could be possible? Right. And so when, 
I started to change my diet to whole real foods, like things that came from the earth and not from a bag or a box. Sorry. And I eliminated all the chemicals that I was learning about and that had been invented in the last 50 years. Wow. Um, I realized that those chemicals weren't there for my nutritional purpose. They were actually there just to help the food companies themselves make more money, whether Mm -hmm. it's making a product taste better than it should because it's sitting on the shelf or it's a product that creates cravings or it's a, a, a chemical that as you know, adds color to make it look like you're eating real food when you're not, you wow. know, all of these different reasons why chemicals were invented to put in our food. I just found out like, well, why would I want to eat those chemicals? Like they don't actually do anything in my body to help me become healthy. Why don't I just eliminate all those chemicals and just eat real food? Mm. And when I did that, my whole life changed. I went off nine prescription drugs. Wow. Weight normalized for the first time ever where to the point where I never had to diet again or even worry about losing weight. And, um, you know, you're pregnant, which I think is so Mm -hmm. amazing. You're back. You're going to be giving birth. Yes. (laughs) And it's, you know, one of the things that is on a lot of women's minds when they become pregnant is like, oh, am I going to am I going to get back into my pre-baby, you know, self, right? Am I going to get, am I going to have this weight forever? Like, is it going to be easy or hard to get rid of? And I just want to tell you, if you're eating a whole real food diet, getting back to your normal self or a close version of it is relatively easy mm-hmm. when you don't use processed foods as a, if you don't eat processed foods. It's and really I wish I would have known that because actually I was worried about it a little bit, right? I was yeah. just like, oh, am I going to have this pouch on my tummy forever? You know, yeah. <laughs> you just don't know. But it just, yeah. within six or six to nine months, you're just like, wow, this is amazing. Like I just went back to my normal diet and I didn't yeah. have to do anything drastic or go on any crazy regimen. Mm-hmm. I just had to eat real food. And and it just goes to show that like when you eat real food, your body does what it needs to do with that. Yes. And, and you can really achieve health that you never thought was possible. And it was at this time that I gave up television. Mm-hmm. And when I gave up television, I found all this time because I was still working in the corporate world, um, traveling, going to different cities and working with C-level executives and I started this blog, foodbabe.com. I wanted to call it eathealthyliveforever.com. My husband thought that was a horrible name. And so he found found food. He's like the tech geek in the family. So he found foodbabe.com for $10 off auction. Oh my gosh. And like yelled in the other room. We were living in like a two bedroom apartment at the time. And I was just like, yeah, that's perfect. You know? And so crazy to see what it turns into now when you have that like memory of it starting. So cool. I know it's crazy. Um, and so we called it food babe. And I said, well, I, you know, I, I'm not the food babe, right? Like I just want to teach other people to become the food babe. But then I found myself hiding behind the name food babe because I didn't want to put my real name out there because I was still working in the corporate world. So I mm. signed every blog post food babe. Yeah. And so you read a lot of my older blog, blog posts, they're like signed food babe, <laughs> food babe instead of Bonnie. And so um, I... I realized that starting this blog created this community of people outside of just my friends and my mom. And Mm. I realized that I was like starting to connect with like-minded people. And that was so exciting for me because prior to being a blogger, I never was on social media. So the only, like I got on social media because like my friends were like, well, how are you going to share your blog with us? You have to like tell us on Facebook. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, I guess I'll join Facebook. And (laughs) I joined Facebook. And I was like one of the last people ever to join Facebook. When did you start your blog? What year was this? 2011. Okay. Yeah. I was one of the last people to join Facebook. I (laughs) Maybe my mother after that, but you know. (laughs) So anyway, um, and, and so I started social media. I started the blog. And then I realized that all this information that I was learning was stuff that like maybe other people don't know and maybe the ways that I felt duped and the things that I was eating that I thought were healthy that aren't actually healthy they needed to know about too so I started to share those experiences with people on the blog and one of the first experiences I had was with a 
quote unquote organic yogurt company that I saw at the mall selling mm-hmm. frozen yogurt. And they had these signs on the window that said organic tastes better. And I said, wow, this is so amazing. We have organic frozen yogurt at the mall. This is great. We can have a treat that's like somewhat healthy. Like this is fantastic. Yeah. Well, then when I went and got my favorite flavor, taro, it was bright, bright blue. And taro is like this root that you can get in Southeast Asia. And it's really tasty. And I was like Googling it, like thinking, you know, is it bright blue? Like, what is the color of this root? You know, um, and it, it is somewhat have a hint of blue, but not that bright. And right. so I started to ask questions about like, what else is in this yogurt? Yeah, you start with organic milk, but like what else is in it? Mm. And so eventually one of the guys that worked there showed me this big bag of powdered substance full of artificial food dyes and wow. trans fats and preservatives. And I took a picture of it. I published it on my blog and like shared the information with everybody. And it went so viral within my community, my little community. And at that time, I didn't have a lot of people following me at all. It was just like my friends sharing it with their friends who shared it with their friends. Mm -hmm. And to the point where the head of the company sent me a letter, apologized, and then took down the marketing. Wow. So that was the first time... I got a taste of like what activism was, Yeah, you know, I didn't set out to become a food activist or anything. I was just sharing my experience, Mm -hmm. what I was learning through my own research, because I just had this insatiable curiosity about what I had been eating up until that point Mm -hmm. and what I should be eating. Right. So I decided that I was just going to share everything that I thought was interesting about processed food that I was eating. And one of the next things I shared was like all the ingredients in a Chick-fil-A chicken sandwich. Oh my gosh. It went, it was like close to a hundred. One of the first ones was MSG and a hundred ingredients. Yes. Uh Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, MSG was one of the first ones. Then there's all sorts of chemicals in there, like TBHQ, which is affects the immune system and also mm-hmm. your allergies. And then there was uh, dimethyl polysiloxane, which is like an ingredient in silly putty that can be oh served with formaldehyde. The FDA doesn't regulate it. Um, I mean, all wow. sorts of artificial food dyes that are linked to hyperactivity in children and allergies and asthma and skin issues. Wow. Uh, so all sorts of chemicals in there. And I, this blog post went so viral that I, I couldn't believe it, but Chick-fil-A reached out to me and invited me to their headquarters. Wow. Were you nervous? What'd you say? Were you nervous to go? Oh, absolutely. Like <laughs> I would, I've been consulting big, big financial institutions at this point for 10 years. And so meeting with executives was like my thing, right? Like I could handle that, but like going there and telling them like their food sucks and they need right. to change it was yeah. a little daunting, right? They picked yeah. me up in a cow mobile, like no. a, yes, a cow mobile, like a, a, a car covered in cow print. Oh my god! And, uh, and I mean, they did the whole dog and pony show and really tried to impress me and they were the nicest people on earth. So it's like yeah. so hard to get mad at them. And that mm-hmm. was the whole point, right? Is for me to meet them, become friends, you know, acquaintances, whatever, and me like kind of back off with the blog. Right. You know? Take the blog but, down or something. But that wasn't the case, right? Like I just told them, like I sat down with a guy that was the head chicken supplier and the head of marketing and the head of operations. And I just like told them, like, here's the things that need to change. We prioritize them. Wow. And within six months, they decided to go antibiotic free. They started removing all these different chemicals that I'd point out in their in their sandwiches, oh my and gosh. they're still making changes. That's um, amazing. And so it's it's it was that moment that I had to like like take PTO from work yeah. to go to Chick Fil A to consult <laughs> there. That I realized, like, wait a minute, me working in the financial institutions is like not my calling. Like, I really do need to just work in the food industry and change the food industry and like teach people what I'm learning about food. Yeah. That I've taught myself. And so I started doing that. I, as soon as I quit my job, I remember it just opened up a huge, uh, availability, I feel like in my brain to like really research what was going on. And the next thing that I discovered was one of the worst, I think, atrocities that happen in the food industry. And that's when 
American companies reformulate their products better and safer for citizens like in Europe. And they um, don't use those same formulations here in the United States. That was the next thing I wanted to ask you, because what is that? So like, why are there such different ingredients here than in Europe? Because when I've traveled there, I see it firsthand. And then I know you always share about that and it's mind blowing. So I would love for you to go into that. So one of the things that, um, you know, is a perfect example of this is cereal. Mm -hmm. Like when you look at Kellogg's cereal, the Fruit Loops in Europe doesn't have artificial food dyes and the Fruit Loops here do. And so, you know, they're a company that already has the formulation. They already know how to make their cereals better. They're actually products that are targeting children who are the ones that are most harmed by these artificial food dyes Mm -hmm. and because they cause hyperactivity in children. And Mm -hmm. in Europe, if you use an artificial food dye, you have to put on the label may cause adverse effects on activity and attention in children. Wow. Instead of putting that label on products, Kellogg's, Kraft, Subway, I mean, every McDonald's, I mean, every single food manufacturer you could think of that sells food in Europe takes out those chemicals instead. Right. And they so know it could be it's done. better and safer, mm-hmm. but they still sell us the, the cheaper, more toxic versions. And that hypocrisy, un- unethical behavior is something that led me to start many petitions, whether it was the petition against Kraft to remove artificial food dyes and mac and cheese or Subway to remove azodicarbonamide, which was a chemical that they use in yoga mats. Like when you, when you look at a yoga mat or a piece of rubber on the side, you kind of see these little air bubbles evenly dispersed. Yeah. That chemical also does that in bread. So they found a use for it in bread, but when it's heated, it turns into a carcinogen. And when you inhale it, you work with it, it it causes asthma. So like, it's just something that doesn't belong in our food, right? Yeah. Food. And you have this, you know, big, you know, Subway used to be the number one fast food chain. It no longer is because I believe of this campaign, you know, outing the fact that their food was not eating quote unquote fresh, right? Right. Like was eat fresh. Mm-hmm. It wasn't fresh. And, um, and so I really wanted people to recognize that this was happening. And that was one of the first things that I really started to study after I quit my job. And I just started to make it my mission to call out this hypocrisy and to do these different campaigns and I took on others like Miller Coors and Anheuser-Busch uh, because one of the things that when I would open up the fridge, the only thing I didn't know what was in there in terms of an ingredient list was beer. Yeah. And it's my husband's beer. I don't even drink beer. I didn't care about beer, right? Like I don't, yeah. I don't, I can't tell you the last time I drank a sip of beer. Yeah. I just don't drink it, right? I, I like tequila on the rocks, but I don't <laughs> like beer. Okay. And, uh, and so, but it bothered me that like, we didn't know what was in it. And I knew based on what I learned about the food industry and how screwed up the chemicals were in terms of creating cravings and making you, um, you know, taste a flavor that really isn't a natural flavor, like an actual natural flavor from, from nature. It's like chemically manipulated, like all these things that I was learning, I was like, well, they've got, they've got, they totally are doing this in the alcohol industry. hundred percent. Right. And so when I started to research it, they are, and I was like, okay, they have to tell us what's in beer. This is ridiculous. Right. And so I pitted at the time, Miller Coors and Anheuser-Busch were two separate companies and I pitted them against each other. And I I wanted to see which one would do it first. And within 48 hours, Anheuser-Busch is calling me, inviting me to their headquarters um, and saying, yeah, we're going to, we're going to publish our ingredients. Wow. And at that meeting, it was really cool. You know, I, I talked to them. I said, you know, you guys really need to have an organic beer. And they're like, yeah, we tried an organic beer several years ago and it just didn't hit the market. Right. I go, times are changing. Try mm-hmm. it now. And now if you've watched the Super Bowl in the last few years, you see advertisements for organic beer now, which is yeah. just incredible to think that that's where we're headed. But wow. Um, a lot of beer manufacturers, as a result of that campaign, actually removed caramel coloring level four that they were adding to their beer to make it look like their hops was darker than it was. Mm, oh my yeah. God. It's so, so like crazy. One of those companies was Newcastle. So this all started with Newcastle in my beer that I found and I didn't know what the ingredients were. And when they make, decided to make the change, it was really cute. They emailed me and they said, Hey, we thought you'd like to know, you know, for your husband too, that we removed a purple color. You know, it's just like, this is so wow. cool. It's yeah. so, I mean, it's just so amazing that like you're doing all of this because 
the, a lot of these foods too are, you know, a lot of lower economic families are reaching out for these foods because that's what they can afford because this is just the world that we live in. A lot of times these are the cheaper options and stuff like that. And having all these ingredients in there, which I don't, it's just so crazy to me that they're not, they don't put it in foods in Europe, but they do here. Why do you think they do that? Because we aren't as like educated about it. We don't care about it. Like, why do you think it's that discrepancy is happening? Well, the FDA is largely like being manipulated by food companies themselves. Like they Mm. either have representatives that like are ex-food company people that they like plant in the government or um, a lot of the lobbyists that are, you know, funding and advocating for certain candidates, you know, they're, they're preventing a lot of this legislation from being passed, you know, and, and it's unfortunate. And there's a lot of groups and other people that are preventing this information from getting to the right hands and to getting this legislation passed. I mean, there, there, there are some hopes in terms of what's happening in California. They just passed a bill. They still have to go through the, through the Senate in order to be like enacted in legislation. But they passed the first step of it to remove titanium dioxide and several artificial dyes, which is incredible. And if that happens in California, because California is such a big part of the United States, yeah. food manufacturers are probably going to have to remove artificial dyes across the United States. Wow. So, that would be so So if huge. that happens, that would be fantastic. And I, I mean, I see we're headed towards that. Um, it's going to cost the food industry a lot of money mm-hmm. because they've already, all these big players like Kellogg. M&Ms, et cetera, they all said back in 2015 when I was hardcore on their case in terms of activism and my book came out and a bunch of other things happened, um, they all declared that they're going to remove artificial food dyes, but now it's 2023 and it's been like, what, eight years? It still hasn't happened. Mm. Even though they have the formulation, they're already using the formulation in Europe. They don't have to reinvent the wheel. Yeah. And, and so it's just a matter of time. People are becoming so aware of these artificial food dyes Mm -hmm. that food companies have to change. Yeah. And, you know, there's just, there's too much money being shifted from those legacy food brands to the newer brands like Truvani, for example, like when we decide we're not going to put artificial sweeteners, we're not going to put natural flavors in our products. We're not going to put all the different gums that can disrupt the gut in our products. We're going to yeah. create the least of like necessary ingredients. We're going to use real ingredients, like real vanilla and real banana and yeah. real chocolate in our products or real peanut butter instead of a flavoring. Right. And, mm-hmm. and so people really want, you know, real food and that's really where the, the movement's heading and food companies are realizing that. I think, you know, I, I hope that the cereal companies realize they're not going to be able to survive when there's all of these new cereal brands popping up that don't have artificial dyes and kids will be exactly. Yeah. Although so my kids I, have never had cereal. So cereal yeah, is not so, staple in our house. <laughs> let's talk about that because a lot of people listening are either, you know, hoping to get pregnant at some point, are currently pregnant or already have kids. So I know that you, your new book is totally focused around this on really how you can incorporate this with your children. Um, so what, what would you say are like, we could start with like the biggest, I don't know, maybe like red flag, um, ingredients. Like I know you're talking about the dyes, artificial sweeteners, like what can someone like look for on the back of a label to like, see like, okay, this is like, no, this is a definite no, because like you said, the dyes will could cause lead to ADHD, hyperactivity, all of that stuff. And then like, how can you help promote this like healthy eating habits in children at a young age? Um, Cause I know you dive into that a lot in the book, which was amazing. Yeah. I mean, like, let's just back up. Like, you know, the, you as a parent, and I, I really want to make clear to everyone listening, I'm not coming from like a sanctimonious place, right? <laughs> like I'm, I'm not trying to shame anyone in terms of how they raise their kids or mm-hmm. what they, what, what they do in terms of their daily eating ha- patterns and habits and what they make for their children. I really want to share what's worked for me and my children and what I've seen as a result of my daughter being six, my little boy being two and a half. Their eating compared to the majority of their peers is so crazily different to the point where I was like, I have to write this book. Mm -hmm. I have to write Food Babe Family because parents have got to know what I'm doing 
and how I'm raising my kids because like they could just totally make their kids like the best eaters in the whole world if they really wanted to in terms of like it takes a lot of patience it takes a lot of preparation and it takes a priority in your life like to me if my kids are eating the healthiest foods everything else is going to work out right they're going to do well in school they're going to do well at their sports they're going to have a good time they're going to be happy kids they're going to sleep well all of the things they're going to be healthy right they're going to stay out of the doctor's office they're not going to have eczema and asthma and all the other issues Mm -hmm. that i had as a kid the ripple right. effect. Have as many sicknesses. Mm-hmm. So if I literally just do my one job, keep them yeah. safe and give them really good, healthy food mm-hmm. and have access to that all the time, I'm doing my job as a parent. Okay. I know you're loving this episode as much as I loved chatting with Vani as well, but I have to take a pause really quickly to make sure that you know about this company. And I talk about them all the time because I'm obsessed with them, but I want to specifically talk to you about a different sector of this company. If you are someone who specifically has been dealing with gut issues for a really long time, maybe you're chronically bloated and you have to unbutton your pants after every single thing that you eat. Maybe you are noticing that you go between diarrhea and constipation, or you notice a lot of food particles or mucus in your poop or you have skin rashes and acne issues, you feel really tired after everything you eat, you probably also might have um, irregular cycles or fertility issues. Like if this is you, I want to make sure that you know about Gut Personal's gut stool test um, because Gut Personal has incredible supplements that I always talk about that are really designed to help personalize your gut healing journey because they have a free quiz that you could take to you know tailor what your specific symptoms are to the certain pro probiotics you need to certain um, other, you know, like things that that are going to help rebuild your gut lining. If you have SIBO, if you have leaky gut or anything like that, they're all science-backed, they're personalized, they're designed. And, you know, the whole company was built by a functional registered dietitian who's been specializing in gut health for so long. I personally know her. I obviously use these products. Otherwise, I would never be talking about them. But I've also done their gut stool test. Um, And I've done episodes on this in the past, which I could link below. But I have been, you know, working on my gut for years and years and years. This is something that was like an Achilles heel for me with my PCOS and something that was always uh, just top of mind that I had to always be really extra cautious about. And if you are someone who has gut issues, you know what I mean, where you feel like your gut is really sensitive. But for so long, I was always blaming it on the foods I was eating. Um, But what I learned is that most of the time, it's not the foods, it's that something is off in your gut. And it's just impossible to see what's actually going on and to fully, fully heal until you get a really high quality gut supplement, not gut supplement, gut stool test to know what's actually going on, what microbes are off. If you have candida or if you have H. pylori or parasites or anything like that, I had all of the above. And the reason why I knew something was off was because I started getting rashes on my back after the shower, which was something that used to happen in college. And I ignored it, didn't know what it was. And then I went down a rabbit hole of so many health issues after that. And I'm like, oh, nope, I I know what is going on right now and I am not about to sit on it. So if you go to gutpersonal.com, they have these gut testing packages. You actually, you know, you do the gut stool. It's not really the best. You have to like poop in a thing and, and, and send it out to a lab. It's like not the most enjoyable experience, but you get insane results from it and exactly what's actually going on in your gut. So you can get personalized support by a registered functional dietitian that you will get a consult with after who they'll go over everything in the gut stool test with you. They'll recommend specific herbs to help kill whatever's going on. If it is candida, parasite, whatever it is, like they've done thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of tests. And I think they had one test where they didn't find anything. And it was someone who didn't even have any symptoms. They just kind of wanted to get it done to get it done. So if you're having any gut symptoms, you can pretty much guarantee you're going to find something in there. And this is like the quickest way to heal it is by knowing exactly what it is and targeting it. So you of course save money with code Corinne, C-O-R-I-N-N-E, because I really, really support them. My one-on-one clients get them done. I've gotten it done and it has just been incredible because they also have the products to help support you after, which are amazing. And if you're like, "Mm, Corinne, I don't really want to do a stool test, but I'm interested in the products, go check out their supplements. I love the Miracle Worker Magnesium. Um, Prior to pregnancy, I loved their Soother. That's just 
not safe during pregnancy. Their um, the healer is amazing. They have vitamin D drops. They have um, immune support. They have allergy support. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. So go to gutpersonal.com/current if you have any questions. Let me know. But again, if you are someone that has been struggling with your gut for a really long time and you're sick of throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks definitely check out their gut stool test. You can listen to the episode that I did about my experience with it. Um, And also you can always DM me if you have any questions about their supplements or about the gut testing, whatever it is, you know where to find me. Gutpersonal.com slash Corinne. Use code Corinne at checkout. Everything else is gravy. I think everything else will work out because I'll tell you, I wasn't able to do this work in terms of changing the world and changing the food industry had I not been feeling great about myself and feeling yes. so good and feeling like vibrant, full of energy in my brain, like actually getting rid of all the fog and all the brain funk and the zombie life behavior yes. and like opening up like this, this idea of like, yes, I have the power to like change the food industry. Mm-hmm. I don't think people can really find their calling and what they're meant to do in the world until they get their health right. I oh really believe that. Uh-huh. Mic like, drop. So like- many people that are amazing in this world that are like celebrities, whatever. And there's a lot of them that don't have their health right. And I can tell, mm-hmm. I can tell. So I'm like, they're, even though you think they're awesome, they're capable of so much more. Yes. It's um, so true. And you don't realize it until you're on the other side of it. Like some, you get so used to how you're feeling that you're just like, Oh, this is just, is what it is until you start changing things and you feel so much better. And you're like, Oh my God, like I didn't realize how much more like alive you can actually feel like it's so, and that's why where your passion comes from, because once you experience it, you're like, I can't not share this. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that I did, um, that I was really fortunate with is I breastfed both my children. I've been breastfeeding now for over six years. I'm still breastfeeding my two-year-old. And, um, you know, my daughter stopped breastfeeding on her own just one day when she was three and a half when I was pregnant with my second. So I had a a little bit of a break there, a few month break until my, um, my second one came in there four years apart. So, um, so amazing. Yeah. So, you know, breastfeeding really did help. And there are so many studies that look at what a baby's getting through breast milk that is different than say formula. So if you have the option to breast milk, you know, breastfeed or give breast milk, it really makes a difference because they're getting exposed to all the flavors, all the tastes, everything that you are eating and all the variety that you're eating. They're also getting exposed to those flavors and breast milk. It's different every single time. Like your body's actually has different antibodies, different bacteria, and different probiotics are going into wow. your bone, your baby's gut based on what they need in the feedback circle between the the baby's lips on your nipple mm-hmm. and them you even kissing them. Like so you even incredible. kissing them, they're they're producing uh, the signals to your body to produce the right types of chemicals that they need at that point in time in their breast milk. How it's crazy is that? It's it's so miraculous. It so is profound that I wish there were more uh, more commercials and studies and other things mm-hmm. being shared about this because I think it's so beneficial. Yeah. Whereas you have to think if you are giving formula, they're getting the same formula every single day. Right. right? It's the same set of ingredients every single day, whereas mm-hmm. your breast milk is always changing. Even the fat content is changing depending right. on where the child is in age. Right. So, so there's just, there is a tremendous difference if you have the opportunity to do that. Now, mm-hmm. I know many women that did not have the opportunity to breastfeed. And that's, this conversation isn't meant to, uh, to, to shine anything negative on the way you feed your baby. The most important thing is to feed a baby, right? Like right. you just have to feed babies. But there are ways, if you do have to formula feed your babies, I don't talk about it in the book, but I have talked about it on my blog, that you can make your own formula. You can actually mm. change up the types of oils and fats you're using. So you can have some variety in their diet. Oh, amazing. And then the best thing t- that I found is when they're six months of age and you start feeding them food, you give them soft table food. You don't Mm. start with purees. You actually do a a method called baby led weaning. And I talk about this in the book, and this is what I did with my own children. And I started to just steam 
vegetables. And I started with vegetables because I really wanted their palates mm-hmm. to love vegetables more than fruits. Like fruits are going to be an automatic win. Yeah. Cause they're sweet diet because they're sweet, right? Yeah. They're just, they're going to love that. And they're always going to gravitate towards that. And so I wanted my children to get like accustomed to like the bitter taste of kale and the bitter taste mm-hmm. of Brussels sprouts and the, and the different uh, carnivorous vegetables out there. And mm-hmm. I wanted them to, to have the wide range of textures so that their jaw is moving and chewing. And oh, so is that why you did um, the actual soft steamed instead of puree from a jaw perspective? Well, no, you just don't want them to choke on it. So you can't give like a baby oh, that doesn't have teeth I mean, yet, instead like, of doing like a, a puree first. Right? What? I mean, instead of doing a puree first, what was the reasoning behind doing the like actual like food instead of a puree right away? Oh, oh yeah. So they actually, they gum the food. Yeah. Right. So that's why. Okay. Just swallowing it. Right. Okay. Got it. So they and, like, get that muscle. And there's actually a lot of, um, you know, uh, discussion and research around jaw development, teeth development, and how all of that is related to actually allowing a child to have like real food, right? Right. And not have just purees. Now I did have some purees, like I would mash avocado and be that just so, uh, the baby's getting exposure to that food and get kind of get to like it. And then eventually gravitating towards a a piece of avocado where they just gum it it with their hands, you know? Yeah. Um, and there's this amazing website. I talk about all these resources in Food Babe Family, but there's this amazing re- website where it will like literally show you exactly how to cut your food and how to prepare your food based on the age of your child. Wow. It's called Solid Starts. I love them. And I talk about it in the book. And it's it's a, a baby-led weaning site, and it's just incredible to see um, – see all the different options and the exposure you can have with your kids. So I went through all the vegetables first mm-hmm. and then I brought in the fruits. And something that you said, the, sorry, sorry, sorry to interrupt you, but I think this is important that you said in the book, I pulled this quote, you were like, children don't always like new foods the first time they taste them, perhaps not even the second or third time, like to be offered a new food as many as 10 to 15 times before they'll eat it. So I yes. think that's really important to note, especially with starting with vegetables that if your kid doesn't like it right away, like, was this something you experienced where you had to introduce it multiple times? Yeah. So like broccoli was not like a big thing, right? From the beginning, <laughs> right. Like broccoli was like, eh, I don't know about this, like this yeah. green tree looking thing. Like I'm not <laughs> sure. Right. Yeah. And they would play with it and you have to let children play with it. That's the other thing that, you know, again, when I said it takes a lot of patience, it gets a lot of patience in that there will be some food waste. There'll be thrown food, you know, mm-hmm. there'll be food that they licked and just left there and it's mm-hmm. organic. You're, yeah, you're probably buying, you know, hopefully you're yeah. buying organic broccoli <laughs> or whatever. And it's like just sitting there and you're like, Oh gosh, it's going in the trash. Right. Yeah. Funny. But you have to just take a deep breath. This is a short time in your child's life, in your life. Mm-hmm. And these seeds that you're planting in your child's diet and their palate will be so fruitful and so amazing when they get older that you will just be so thrilled at the way that they're getting nutrition. Yeah. Um, and so then I started with the fruits and, you know, I started with all the different fruits and then that's what I started with. And then you can go into, you know, eggs and, uh, sardines and Mm -hmm. other types of, you know, really good high quality protein as well. A lot of kids at that age are very allergic to eggs. I found Mm -hmm. both my kids were. So, you know, I had to, you know, limit that and try to reintroduce it later. And and it worked, you know, at two and a half now he's able to have eggs and Mm -hmm. be okay. So what about beans? Did you uh, beans? beans? Yes. Beans yeah. are fantastic. Kids mm-hmm. love beans, especially when they start working on their pincher grip around nine months, oh. you know, nine months to 12 months old, you know, they love picking up beans and eating them. And I make mm-hmm. all different kinds of beans. So that's the other thing is like keeping the variety, like don't always make black beans mm-hmm. because then when you go to the Mexican restaurant and they have pinto beans, your kids are going to be like, ah, I'm not eating that. Yeah. But if you make black beans one week and pinto beans the next week, and then you made lima beans, they're exposed to so many different types of beans that they're, they've seen it before. They recognize it. They can eat it. Um, and that I would say is the biggest mistake parents make is that they say, I feel like my kids only eat blank. 
Mm-hmm. And they make that over and over and over again to the point where that child becomes so limited in what they're eating that they don't see any more variety in their diet. And then they're get, not getting that nutrition. Right. And so when you make it a point as a parent to make something different every single day for them and expose them to something different and have Mm -hmm. a different color, a different variety, a different type, that is going to make such a big difference in the type of foods that they eat and the variety that they're being exposed to and their ability to be able to handle different situations when they're out eating and traveling. To me, like I love traveling with my children. And so I want them to be able to like eat at a restaurant and to be able to go to a different country and see a different fruit and want to try it and eat that. And so, you know, when I'm at the grocery store, I'm looking for different fruits than just apples and oranges, right? I'm looking Mm -hmm. for mangoes. I'm looking for papayas. I'm looking for pomegranate seeds. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm looking for things that aren't necessarily the typical things that you see in a child's diet that they're being exposed to and, and will eat and love. And I give a different fruit every single day, you know, after lunch, you know, I give a different fruit for snack every single day, you know? So I try not to, to have, uh, sameness in our diet. Yeah. And in your book, you lay out to like charts of, you know, options for breakfast, lunch, dinner, like exactly how you feed your kids. Like it's so laid out and it's so incredible. And I definitely want to talk about, um, like, when your kids get a little bit older, like the fear of them feeling left out or going to restaurants and stuff like that. But before we move on to that, something else that you talked about in the book that I definitely want to touch on because it's so common for little babies are rice cereals. Um, And that was something that you talked about that I think was really powerful. If you could just like set the stage for that, because that's like one of the first things that we're told, okay, first thing you give your baby is this rice cereal. Um, Why do you advise against that? Like what, what is that whole deal? Well, I mean, if you think about like what's in rice, right? A lot of times it's grown in a situation that it's high in heavy metals like arsenic. So that's something you definitely don't want to expose your child to. But also Mm -hmm. like when you think of the nutrition in rice, there's not a lot of nutrition in rice. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's a carb. It's, uh, you know, it's got some minerals and vitamins, but it's not something that is going to give them a real boost nutritionally. Mm -hmm. And so to me, that's like the worst thing to give a child right Mm -hmm. off the bat. Like I would want to give children like a sardine, which, which is actually, I have, um, are you going to be posting a video of this? Like you have this video. So, okay. So like, for example, I do, I have this, I have it right here. I'm actually doing a video later on all my snacks and things that I take. Perfect. This is from Patagonia, Patagonia provisions and it's mackerel and it's the perfect handheld piece of, uh, fish mm-hmm. and they also make sardines and people think it's crazy to give kids like a little bitty fish like this. But I tell you, <laughs> my son ate these up so much when he first started eating food wow. and it was like some of the best nutrition you could give them. I mean, there's so much DHA, omega-3 fatty acids in this, such an right. amazing form of protein and all of those really good brain chemicals. And right. this fish is actually low on the chain, so it's not going to have high heavy metals or anything. I was just going to ask and that. Mercury and things like that. So, mm, okay. Cause it's um, so small. So I love, I love that for a child versus mm. rice. Right. And yeah. I think when they get older serving rice with a meal to make it more enjoyable. Yeah. Go ahead and do that. Now right. we serve rice with our salmon and do, you know, whatever, like the whole family's enjoying that. I like rice with my salmon. Yeah. I actually have a recipe in the book. It's, um, it's the cutest, most fun little thing to make. Uh, I learned how to make these in Japan and they're called onojiris and they come with these little molds and you mold the rice in there and then you can fill the molds with anything that you want. And I like salmon. My kids love salmon in it. And then I put another little pad of rice on top and you can make them in the shape of like Mickey Mouse or a heart. Oh, or a cute. And it's like a little rice, like a soft rice cake, like almost like a sushi um, with the salmon inside and they just like eat it like a little sandwich. And I send it mm. to my daughter's lunch oh, and amazing. I make it for my son and they love it and they love the shapes. They think it's so much fun. And plus they're getting, they're like eating salmon and rice. So healthy. yeah, yeah, that's, that's amazing. So for, for people who maybe are listening that like, haven't been doing this yet and they want to transition to this and their baby's still like months old, maybe not toddler age, 
And there might be like pushback if their baby's used to getting, you know, a lot of the fr- fruit purees or doing the rice cereals, but they're like, oh God, I'm listening to this. And I, I want to start introducing more vegetables. Like, do you have any tips around that transition period of how you can, you know, if someone's like, oh, they're such a picky eater right now, but I want to start changing that. Yeah. I mean, I think what you have to do is have a lot of patience and mm. kids are going to eat when they're hungry. And one of the most important kind of things that I've learned is if kids snack too close to meal times, they won't eat dinner. They won't mm-hmm. eat breakfast. They won't eat lunch, right? They won't eat if you give them a snack because mm-hmm. the snack is like their bellies are just so teeny tiny to begin with. Right. So if you give them a snack, you really close to any of those meal times, they're not going to eat those meals. Now, mm-hmm. If you are one of these alternative parents that give like vegetables for snacks and, you know, like we'll give like part of a, like a real meal as a snack mm-hmm. to avoid that, that's, that's an interesting situation. Like instead of giving an actual, like quote unquote, like typical snack at snack time to actually give like, you know, I used to do that with my kids when they were much littler, I would give like pinto beans as a snack because mm. it's like a perfect little snack, right? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe like a little butter. It's like so good. Um, now it doesn't really, that doesn't really fly with my six-year-old. She's like, wait a minute, mom, we're going to have pinto beans for dinner. Like I'm not going to eat this snack. I'd rather have watermelon or whatever, you know? Yeah. And so as they get older, they become more kind of accustomed to what's typical at Mm -hmm. breakfast, lunch, and dinner and snack. Um, but when they're little, you can play these games, right? Right. Um, And when you're making changes, when your kids are a certain way, you, you really have to be dedicated you have to find a way to introduce the flavor that's not too intimidating and not with too much pressure is what I've found. And the best way to do that is like, for example, if you're used to, for example, rice cereal, you could switch to something more healthful. Like I would say a steel cut oatmeal that you make overnight. It takes me one minute to put it in my crock pot. One mm-hmm. minute, maybe less. I think it's less than one minute. <laughs> and it's ready in the morning. It's so creamy, so good. And I top it off with brown flaxseed, which again is that mm-hmm. omega-3 fatty acid, so good for your body, so good for the kids. And you can mix it all in. And then, you know, you could put whatever kind of, you know, sweetened uh, the way you wanted to sweeten it or make it taste better, like by putting fruit in it, blueberries or strawberries or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, we put pomegranate seeds in our meal. We love it. It's, they're so good because every little bite has a little bit of juice that you just like, it like pops them out. Yeah. And the kids love it. And so, and plus pomegranate seeds are like one of the healthiest fruits uh, ever with mm. all the antioxidants. So, um, so basically uh, you could switch to something like that. Try something like that. And uh, right, instead of going and, straight to broccoli or something. Right, right. You can go straight to broccoli, right? Yeah. And then you can start to expose that child to those different fruits and vegetables. And I have to say this too. Kids are going to do what you do. Mm-hmm. If you are in the pantry snacking and eating chips, they're going to want those chips too. 100%. If my husband goes in the pantry and gets chips out, both kids run right over to that pantry mm-hmm. and they want a chip too, right? If he didn't go and open that bag of chip and go into the pantry, they wouldn't even know about chips. Right. You know, I'm not a chip person, so I don't even buy, like, I'm like not a chip person, but yeah. if we wouldn't even have chips in the house if it wasn't for my husband, right? <laughs> so you just have to think that you are your ultimate child's role model and Mm -hmm. how you eat is definitely going to be a reflection on how they eat. And so Mm -hmm. if you can make your diet super variety, you know, have a super variety in it, have it very, um, you know, colorful and have, have all these things that you're eating with your child. And that's another tip is to, you know, eat as many meals with your child throughout the day Mm -hmm. And sit down and actually have a meal, not have them run around the house, you know, taking a bite here and there. Mm. And, and that's something that thankfully my lifestyle has afforded me to do where I work from home. But every day I take a break at lunch and I go have lunch with my son every single day. So nice. Yeah. And And, and even if parents don't have that luxury, maybe just one meal, even if you could do dinner together or something, or even if they're breakfast, yeah, something, something like that, you know, obviously everyone has a different working situation, but I think that's so, it's so helpful to talk about like, okay, you start modeling at first, make changes that are just like mimicking what you were doing, but just like improving it as you go. So their palate will start to slowly change. Um, I want to talk to you about 
this too, because obviously you could control so much more when they're little, right. Of like what they're eating, but when they get to that, maybe school age, um, or you're going out to restaurants or going to birthday parties, like that is something that is, especially depending on where you live, there might not even be restaurants where there's organic foods or good options and stuff like that, or birthday parties. Like, do you bring your, would you, when they were like little, like probably, you know, toddler age or whatever, bring food for them. But then once they get older, are they noticing like, okay, everyone is eating this, but you know, mom brought me this. Like, how do you navigate that? So up until about five, I was able to just bring whatever, like if Harley knew there was going to be a treat at the birthday party, I could convince her to eat the like healthier treat that I brought because right. she likes the treats we have because they're good and she knows them and she likes them. Mm-hmm. But now that she's six, it's like that transition of that awareness just kind of blossoms. And yeah. so she, she wants to eat what the other kids are eating too. Mm-hmm. So we, we've, I've taken a very, um, important approach in educating her about the food we eat in this world and what's available. And we have a tremendous opportunity to teach our kids what we didn't know when we were growing up. Mm. And I can only imagine if my mother had taught me at the age of four and five years old, what artificial food dyes are. Actually, I think I started teaching Harley when she was six or seven, eight months old. Mm. Like I started just talking about it when we were at like at the airport and I would show her all the junk candy and I would tell her what's in it because she just wanted to play with it. Cause it was like shiny packages. And I would yeah. just like tell her, just get it ingrained in her mind and her subconscious, because like that time period between zero and seven, we literally mold our children to like be the people they are and to have the subconscious and think the way we really want them to think if we have the opportunity to like, you know, influence that. And so I just told her from such an early age, all the truth about all the food and tell her like about McDonald's and about all of these places so that she's mm-hmm. aware of what's in them. And today, actually, she's having, there's an ice cream truck coming and oh man, I'm, I'm cringing mm. at the fact that I don't know what's in that ice cream. I don't no. know what truck's coming. I don't know what's <laughs> going to go on at school. Yeah, and <laughs> She's been so aware of what, how to choose the best choices when there is a situation like that. I'm feeling very confident that she's going to choose something that isn't too terribly colored and gross. I hope. Right. right? Yeah. Like maybe um, she'll choose something that just is maybe a regular ice cream, but doesn't have all the food coloring in it or something. Right. And so she, she, she usually makes really good choices with that. And what she does at birthday parties now is she'll say, mom, that blue icing, I'm just not going to eat that. I'm going to wow. eat the cake instead. And wow. she she takes off the icing and she doesn't miss it. She loves cake just the mm-hmm. way it is. Um, but she, if she sees the white icing, you know, she's like, mom, I can eat that. Like it doesn't yeah. have color, you know? And so she's making those decisions kind of on her own now. And I, mm-hmm. and, and we talked about it the other day. She's like, mom, you know, what if all of it, everything that comes to school that day with the ice cream truck, like what if everything's artificially dyed? I can just have it once in a while. Right. And I said, you know, it's not going to harm you to have it once in a while. Right. And I don't want you to ever think that that's going to happen, but, mm-hmm. but you make the best choice you can and yeah. you decide. And if you eat something and it doesn't taste good, you don't have to finish it. And that's right. the most important lesson too, is to like, listen to your body. If something doesn't feel right and it doesn't taste good or taste fake or yuck, mm-hmm. like, you know, once you eat real food, sometimes when you eat something processed, it just doesn't taste good anymore. Like you could tell processed, like any kind of processed cookie to me right now, with the exception of maybe mint Newman's Oreos, like mm-hmm. those are really freaking yeah. good. Yeah. With the exception of those, right. Um, I can't eat a processed cookie. Like it doesn't even interest me because a real cookie out of the oven that's baked fresh is like a million times better, right? It's like, why even bother with that processed cookie, right? Like everyone's like Gaga over these simple mills, Oreo lookalike cookies and everybody loves them. And I took one bite. I was like, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just like this is awful. <laughs> you know, like why do I want to eat this? Right. No, it's so, so true. But, so I think that's that's really the point is like educating them at a young age. I think is really important of teaching them like, hey, this is what this is. This is what this could do to your brain, and this is how you could feel after it. And having the education, so then they can make their own choices and feel like empowered in them. But also the conversation too of 
like it's okay once in a while. Cause then it's also like, well, I don't want them to be fearful. Like they're going to eat it and just like their health is going to deteriorate immediately. You know what I mean? Cause that's, it's, it's such a hard balance, I think, to try and figure that out. But I like that, like, okay, when they're younger, I'm just going to bring their own food to the birthday parties. But obviously, once they start, like you said, they get a little older and noticing it, hopefully at that point, they'll be able to make, you know, better decisions based off of how you taught them. So I think that's such a good, uh, a good tip. Um, okay, so I know we're going to be wrapping it up. The one last thing I want to end on um, is... What are some of the, like, if you were like, this is the worst ingredients in children's foods, like these are the like top things to just start avoiding. If someone's just starting this and they're like, I don't know where to start. I'm feeling a little bit overwhelmed. There's so many different things. If they're maybe having the traditional like standard American diet right now where everything is processed, which most people listening to this are more further along than that. But what would you just recommend is like things to really look out for and change more quickly than other, than other things. I would. So I have this uh, in the book in chapter two, there is this guy that says like, it's the terrible 10. It's the worst ingredients mm-hmm. in children food. That's what and I you pulled. You can go yes. through that. Right. And, and figure out what ingredients are in like the processed foods that you have in the pantry. But let's just step back a minute. Like in terms of the most important thing the most important thing is not a specific ingredient. It's whether choosing real food over processed food. Mm. Like as, as soon as you choose a processed product, you're exposing your child to plastic chemicals, to less nutrition, to additional chemicals that it would take to process that food, mm. the chemicals that are in the, the packaged good, right? So you're exposing your child to an enormous amount of variety that you don't want them to have access Mm. to. So when you're thinking about, should I give them this dried uh, fruit roll up or I give them a real apple, go for the real apple, go for the real mango, go for the frozen fruit, right? Mm -hmm. It's already cut, washed, frozen, ready to go. Keep it on the counter for a few minutes. So it's not so hard. Give that to them if you're in a rush, right? Right. It's always available. It's like, if you don't have any fresh fruit in the house, you should have something in the freezer. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I would much rather that decision be made by a parent than what process chemicals should I avoid? Mm -hmm. Although I have that list, you know, and and it's a detailed list and it tells you why to avoid certain things. I mean, I would say off the top of my head, the biggest chemical that I would want my kids to avoid in processed foods, it's in everything it's natural flavors because it hijacks your brain. It hijacks you thinking that you're eating something better than it is. Mm. It's you're eating the one millionth best part of the taste versus what's actually available in nature. So it's tricking your brain. And so you're going to eat more than you should of that processed product. You're going to crave it. You're going to want it all the time. Mm. And that's a problem when it comes to kids and, and the way we're, heading towards uh, childhood obesity and other problems that are happening as children grow up in this country that's not happening, uh, you know, it's happening at an alarming rate right now in this country. So, yeah. so I like that. With that, um, that's you know, such an easier thing tip. I would say is to avoid any kind of uh, white flour, right? Like mm-hmm. white flour products, like that's just sugar and really refined. And so if you can up the nutrition of your typical products that contain white flour. Like for example, instead of buying the frozen waffles, make a bunch of waffles on the weekend, right? Mm -hmm. And freeze them and just, they'll be frozen waffles too, but they're your own ingredients. And you can make frozen waffles out of oat flour or Mm -hmm. almond flour or Mm -hmm. buckwheat flour or a mixture of those three. So it'll be so much healthier than just the white flour Ego waffles that you would buy in the freezer section, right? So right. Uh, if you're making pancakes, try, you know, the almond uh, flour pancakes that I have in Food Big Kitchen, my first cookbook, you know, mm-hmm. like those are amazing and they taste so good and they're fluffy and they're beautiful. And you wouldn't even know there were, wasn't white flour in it, right? Yeah. And with maple syrup and butter, you, you, you're not missing anything. Right. And, um, and so think about what you can do to remove that white flour. They, you know, goldfish are one of the most popular crackers for kids. And it's one of the things that cause the most cavities. People would think that it's the wow. candy kids diet. 
or the sugary juices or whatever, but it's actually goldfish. It's that white flour just sticking inside the tooth. Wow. And, and it, that's, that's part of the issue. So we have mm. to avoid eating things like goldfish. We need to have more variety in our diet when it comes to our flowers. Wow. I love that. So it makes it so much easier. Like, okay, let's just focus on whole foods, focus on no natural flavors, no white flour. This, and like you said, it does take a little bit more effort to like make all of this, but it's going to be less effort in taking them to the doctors all the time. Their moods could be better. Their attention's going to be better. So that's so amazing. This has been so helpful. Do you have a copy of the book you could hold up? Um, I do. I have, I do. I have this fake. I know it's not out yet. Right okay. There we go. So when yeah, is it coming out? Family. Yeah. When does it come out? It comes out in October. Okay. In October. Okay. Amazing. But you can so, pre-order it now and oh, I'm working on this video bonus. So hold on to your seat and you can come on over to foodbabefamily.com and you'll get a video bonus on all the snacks my family eats. Oh, I mean, that was the other thing. I was like, what are some quick toddler snacks that aren't like artificial or aren't processed foods? You have so much of that in the book. Um, and you have so many blogs and so many resources about it too. So, okay, it's foodbabefamily.com to pre-order? Yes. Okay, amazing. And where else can everybody find you and all your resources um, and everything Just you have? Foodbabe.com. Everything's there. Foodbabe family's there and all, all the links to Truvani. And if you guys are in the, uh, want to check out the healthiest bar on the market, it's all made with ingredients you'd find in your own kitchen and they're delicious. They taste so good. It's like more amazing. like dessert. Yeah. Um, my kids <laughs> love them. They like die for them. And oh, amazing. Uh, yeah. That's so there's a yeah. go there. That could be a toddler snack right there. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Everything is there. Food babe on Instagram as well. And all the places. Yeah. The and, food babe on Instagram. Okay. And we will put all of this in the show notes. Um, Vani, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. You just poured so much information. You're doing such like important work and I'm so grateful for you. So thank you for taking the time to share all of this with us. Great to meet you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for being here. If you loved this episode and learned something valuable, please share it with a friend who you think would also love it or post it on social media and tag me so I could personally say thank you for helping me spread this important message. I am beyond grateful to be here with you. So until next time, stay intentional, stay consistent, and always mind your hormones.